T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. In our game of baseball, Matt, Matt Spiegel is one of the great baseball people, and not only in this town, but across the country. The pitcher warming up in the bullpen from the Baltimore Orioles, a 12-game winner already this year, Steve Stone. He hit the spot with it and strikes out Dave Parker. And so we have played one inning in the 1980 All-Star Game at Dodger Stadium in Los Angeles. And we have no score on a lovely, warm summer evening. I have been in the city of Chicago since 1973. I love Chicago, and it's been just a, a great place to be during the summertime. Baseball on both sides of town has been very good to me. I remain the only, uh, the only person who's ever played for both teams and broadcast both radio and television for both teams, and I take that as a badge of honor. Hit and run Sunday mornings, 9 a.m. to noon on 670 The Score and 670thescore.com, Chicago's sports station. Oh, look at this, a rare Sunday morning treat on Hit and Run on The Score. Matt Spiegel here with you and a chance to talk to Steve Stone, who joins us right now. On the Alpamata Nissan hotline, Alpamata Nissan is in Melrose Park on North Avenue, or you can go to apnissan.com. Stoney, good morning. How are you? Good, Matt. How are you? I'm very, very good. I'm looking forward to watching Dylan Cease again today. Um, it, it was asked to me this week, hey, Speaks, who has the best stuff, pure stuff, on the White Sox? Um and I guess uh, that could be defined in different ways. And we're not talking about like best ability to hit the strike zone and control a game, but best pure stuff. Does Dylan Cease have the best pure stuff on this roster full of real good arms? Yeah, I would think that uh, when you look at the pitches he has, uh, if he's commanding his curveball to go along with uh, an improved slider, the occasional change, and, you know, a fastball that's in the upper 90s. I would say that his stuff is right up there. Michael Kopech obviously has great stuff. If you're just looking for movement and difficulty to both hit and catch, Aaron Bummer out of the bullpen would have uh, would have unbelievably good stuff. So um, this is not 
a team lacking for stuff. We got lots of stuff. We try to show you stuff on a daily basis. <laughs> you do. You and Jason show us all kinds of stuff. Um, I, I, I loved the other day when Cease threw a changeup for that final strikeout. I think it was at 76 after he'd been throwing fastballs at 96 at 97. A 20 mile hour discrepancy for a changeup to a four seam fastball. That seems pretty good. That's crazy high, isn't it? Well, look, it, it, as you as you see that, and obviously it worked very well. <clears throat> you really don't like to see that much of a disparity between the fastball and the change. Hmm. The reason being that if you throw it that slow, you can have a lot of guys double clutch. They can move out on their front foot, but if they keep their hands back, they'll have a good shot at it. So although it worked there, what I like to see is anywhere from 9 to 11 miles an hour difference. Some of the guys with harder change-ups, and we've seen some guys 90, 91, 92 mile an hour change-ups with a high 90s fastball, that's about 7 miles an hour disparity, and that's, that's actually pretty good because um, it identifies to your eye as a fastball. And you go out to get it, and then it's not there. So even if it's 6, 7 miles an hour disparity, that's not bad. I think a shorter as opposed to a wider disparity in pitches is better. But that particular one worked very well. Uh, see, that's interesting. That, that makes sense. Because, like, when you talk about the guys with the best change-ups in baseball, um, sometimes you think of Strasburg, who throws his at sometimes 90 or 91 when the fastball is, is up there at 98 or 99. To your point, Luis Castillo, guys like that. So that's more realistic. Um, uh, we were looking at this. Cease, right now the average – discrepancy between four seam and changeup. Cease is 16.4. Darvish is 14.3. So those are two kind of freakishly big gaps like you're talking about. Giolito right now is 11.9 miles per hour between the fastball and the changeup. That doesn't seem like an issue. That discrepancy with, with Lucas, what, what, is, what is the issue? Where are we right now on, on concern for Lucas after that outing the other day? Not some real hard-hit home runs. I think they reached like 330, 340 feet or something like that. But, but where are you on concern for Lucas right now, Steve? Well, I'm not all that concerned because I think he's going to get it back again. But I think one of the big things is he's not hitting his spots with the fastball quite enough. I think that he would be the first to tell you that he's got to lock into the glove side fastball. He's got to be able to throw that fastball uh, low and away to a right-hand hitter and hit that spot consistently, and that's something that he's not doing quite yet. doesn't mean that he won't do it. It means that he hasn't done it to this point consistently. Um, I also would like to see him refine that, that slider. Um, he's not going to throw many curveballs. That was a big breaking pitch, and he really didn't have command of that. But right now he hasn't been able to throw that slider in the neighborhood consistently. And I don't care how good your two pitches are unless they're both overwhelming. I mean, years ago, Sandy Koufax had fastball, curveball. They were so good that it really didn't matter. Bob Gibson had fastball, slider. Two overwhelming pitches. They were so good it really didn't matter. But Lucas needs that third pitch. And I think you can get away with two pitches every now and then. I mean, he threw against the Indians uh, uh, a couple of years ago, and it was 96% fastball straight change. Well, I mean, it works every now and then. It doesn't work on a consistent basis. And so I, I think he's good enough. I think he works hard enough. I think he uh, he has got a good enough mind to be able to come back. And, again, um, that's not my worry right now. I think there's other worries on this team. What are your worries on this team? Well, number one, consistent offense is a big problem. And it, it's understandable. It's really difficult to take what I feel uh, – 
is 65 to 70 home runs in the course of a year. Deduct them from the team, and I'm talking about Eloy and Luis. You lose Robert Jimenez, you're losing 65 to 70 home runs. Uh, even Engel would hit the ball out of the park on occasion. Uh, so you lost a lot of home runs, and you're trying to fill fill in with those. Um, uh, your mean is coming back to life. He's not going to hit 400. I don't think uh, you know. I don't think that there's George Brett hiding in that uniform. I don't think he's got a shot at that. But I think that um, he's obviously been a very good hitter this year. But as he kind of settles back, and then you look at um, Nick Madrigal's in a terrible slump. He's having a hard time hitting the ball out of the infield consistently. And when he does, it's a soft fly ball to right field these days. Uh, Leary's not going to hit many home runs. Uh, the bottom part of the order is not going to take the ball out. Obviously, Billy Hamilton's not going to hit home runs unless they're inside the Parkers. So there is um, there is a lineup that's devoid of the kind of big power the Sox thought they were going to be built on. So that being said, I think they've done a remarkable job, and they're sitting a game and a half in first place. I mean, you know, if you're going to look at things uh, and put them in perspective, you say, okay, so you lost a couple games to Kansas City. You certainly would have loved to win them, but um, it's still a game and a half up. Uh, I'm looking down the road a little bit. I know Abreu's going to come back and really, uh, really start to hit because that's what he always did. We got to have Moncada start to hit the ball and and maybe play a little bit smarter baseball. I think you'd like to see that on occasion. Um, Yuan has enormous talent. There's everybody will look at him and say there's not much that he can't do, and yet uh, he has a hard time on communication with pop-ups. That that's been a problem for him. I also really, and you know this because you've listened to me. Uh, there's not many things in this game I dislike more than the head first slide into first base. Oh my number God! One, number one, it's very dangerous. Number yeah. two. As I've said for a long time now, if, in fact, you could get there faster, the guys that are paid, uh, or they're not paid because they're supposed to be amateurs, but occasionally they're paid, guys like Usain Bolt, guys like the, the great Olympic sprinters, they would be diving head first across the line. They're not. They lean through the tape and accelerate through the tape, and that's a way to get to the bag faster. So Leary Garcia lost a good portion of the last year because of that head first dive to first base. So... Uh, let me just try to clear it up in case anybody is ambivalent to my feelings. It's a stupid play. It's always <laughs> been a stupid play. It always will be a stupid play. Unless you're trying to avoid a tag, and if you're heads up, if you're watching a first baseman as he shifts his weight to come off and you look like uh, it looks like he's going to tag you, you want to slide then? Be my guess. But to try to beat a play? Nah, not good. Oh, it's so frustrating. This is the Sox have a chance to get something going in the eighth. Tim Anderson with a two-out double. Lurie with a long, terrific at-bat to draw a walk, overcoming some umpire calls in the process. But then, as you say, Moncada grounds out, thrown out at first with the head-first dive. We see so many guys now wearing the oven mitts on the hand when they're getting ready to slide and like put a hand down and steal second base, they know mm-hmm. to wear oven mitts. You can't wear the oven mitts at the plate. I, I, how, why are these guys still allowed to do it? Do coaches not tell them? Do they just not want to take them out of their game? It, it needs to stop Stoney. No, the oven mitt, the oven mitt is fine. Uh, in yeah. fact, I would, I would suggest a two foot long oven mitt. The reason being that if you have one of those and you touch the bag with it, I think uh, I think you're probably going to be safe. So if you have an oven mitt, maybe that stretches from the middle, uh, middle yeah. of the uh, you know the middle between first and second, and then you can just reach out and hit it. But the oven mitt is to straighten the hand out, so you don't 
you don't break your fingers, whatever. I'm not sure how much it helps you with your wrist or elbows or a jammed shoulder or anything else. But uh, guys seem to be able to do it at second base a whole lot better than they do it at first base for whatever reason. Mm, well, you know, as long as they're going with the oven mitt, how about a lasagna? How about pulling out a lasagna when you get to the, to the bag? <laughs> just every now and then, yeah. Yeah, just to spice it up just a little bit. Um, I want to circle back to something you said about Kopech, where you talked about command, because obviously stuff can be can be overvalued. It, it, I, I take it you would take slightly inferior stuff with elite command over better stuff uh, ten times out of ten. Is that fair to well, say? Yeah, I mean, take a look at um, a couple of guys on the Cleveland Indians. That's usually the standard uh, to which you're looking at the development of pitchers that start and they get them and they throw in the low 90s, 91, maybe 92. Then they get them and use a couple of techniques in development and get them to 93, 94. And mm-hmm. Shane Bieber is the, uh, he's the, the poster boy for this. He knows how to pitch and he pitches very well, both off his curve and his slider. Um, but he, he doesn't have a high 90s fastball, yet he strikes out as many guys as you want to strike out. In fact, uh, I don't know how many times with eight strikeouts or more, but I think it was an all-time record. So striking out people is not a problem because he really knows how to pitch. Aaron Savali, another one of those guys, you look at his fastball and you say, hey, you know, it's adequate. It's 90, 93, 94. But he knows how to pitch. Uh, Zach Plesak, another one of those guys that knows how to pitch. And they seem to be able to develop those guys. And what I think is going to happen, Matt, I, I think – we're going to see this max effort era. I think it's going to dissolve so many pitchers. There's so many pitchers going to get hurt in this max effort era that eventually they're going to circle back. And again, we have a back to the future game. They're going to circle back to actually pitching again to the guys like Tom Glavin and John Smoltz and Greg Maddox and guys in, in modern baseball like Bieber and Savali. And there's a few other guys. I mean, you saw minor last night, he pitched. He didn't, you know, he threw a pretty good fastball, but he pitched. And he used the changeup, and he used that that slider and cutter. And it was pretty good, the occasional curveball. But he was changing speeds, in, out, up, down. Um, Nobody says a fastball has got to be one pitch. The best fastballs are three pitches. Throw them three different speeds. Greg Maddox had a saying, never the same pitch at the same speed in the same location in the same at-bat. He never gave you a look where you could feel comfortable that, okay, a fastball is coming. He's working me middle away. I'm going to look for a fastball middle away. Well, you can look for a fastball middle away. Is it going to be 93? Is it going to be 89? Is it going to sink? Is it going to ride? I mean, what exactly is it going to do? It might be it cuts. Um, so, obviously, he was state-of-the-art. Obviously, he was a Hall of Famer. Obviously, won 355 games because he knew what he was doing. Everybody can't be Maddox, but everybody can improve themselves by taking every one of their pitches and making them at least two pitches. I threw exclusively curveballs, but if you wanted to guess the speed, be my guess. You could guess a curveball, and, you know, pretty much I threw a slider and I threw a fastball. So let's say three pitches, 33% of the time you're going to guess right if you guess a curveball. But I'm going to throw three speeds. So now it takes 33%, your your guessing percentage, now it takes it. Now, yes, the speed for me. Now you're one and six. Now all of a sudden, 33 doesn't look so good. And then if I change mm-hmm. locations on it, now maybe you're one and eight. 
well, you hit one for eight in the major leagues, you're not going to do real good. And and that's, you know, that's the art of pitching. <clears throat> and eventually that's what we're going to go back to because we're going to keep pitchers around longer than we're going to see in this max effort era. Understand something with Trevor Bauer, who's a driveline advocate. Trevor Bauer has been magnificent and very durable, but that's the aberration. That's a guy can go max effort with every one of his pitches and stay healthy. Most of the guys can't do that. Most of the guys will get injuries that will take a whole lot away from them, and I think we're going to roll this back and, and see a different type of pitcher as we move forward in this game. That's, that's great stuff. I, I, some people think that the key to bringing more contact back in the game and changing the game is to, uh, is to cut out that max effort possibility by really enforcing the pitch clock so guys can't just rear back and give it absolutely everything they have on every pitch. Steve Stone with us here on Hit and Run on a Sunday morning. Ray Miller passed away this week, yes. the longtime pitching coach for the Baltimore Orioles with Earl Weaver, and not just there, um, but a long career. And, I mean, Mike Flanagan and Jim Palmer and Mike Boddicker and Steve Stone. Um, what's the best thing? Give me something great that you learned from Ray Miller when you were a pitcher there in, in an incredible time for pitching uh, under him and Earl Weaver in Baltimore. Well, a couple of things. First of all, he had a saying and he had T-shirts made. Um, work quick, uh, keep the ball down. Work quick, keep the ball down. Now a different era, you could keep the ball down. Now many times you want to keep it up. But um, this is the kind of guy Ray Miller was, and he kept it really simple. It was the second inning that I was going to pitch in, um, in a Baltimore uniform in a Memorial Stadium. And um, nothing was going on in the game, and all of a sudden uh, Ray Miller comes kind of trotting out from the dugout. And, you know, there's nobody on. It's, uh, it's pretty early in the inning. And I look at him and I said, uh, what, what do you got? So we got a message for you. So you got a message? He goes, yeah. What's the message? He says, from your infielders. Um, and I said, yeah? And he said, yeah. And he used an expletive that I won't use. He said, throw the damn ball. They're falling asleep. <laughs> so that was, that was one of those, you know, work quickly, uh, throw strikes, keep the ball down. Uh, but that was um, that's what he wanted you to do because he felt, and I think justifiably so, if you work quickly, what it sends to that hitter is a sense of confidence and control that you have. I wanted that hitter to step out because if the hitter steps out on me because I'm working too quickly, he's showing me that he's not comfortable. I want that hitter less comfortable than anybody else makes him. But there were other times when I would stand on the mound and I'd have to make a big pitch. And I'd stand on the mound. I wouldn't even look at Dempsey. I wouldn't even look for the sign. I'd just stand and stare into the hitter's eyes. And he'd look out at me. He didn't know what I was doing. I would just stare at him. And 100% of the time, he would step out. He didn't know what I, he didn't know what I was doing. Literally 100% of the time, he would ask for time and step out. I wanted him to do that. I never wanted him to feel comfortable. And, you know, these are just little mind games that you can work but Ray was a simplistic kind of guy. He wasn't going to bog you down with a lot of complicated uh, verbiage because some guys truly cannot assimilate that. And I think what Ray was really good at was picking out a key with each and every pitcher. Uh, I think Ethan Katz does that also. I talked with Ethan, and he said, I can't make every pitcher the same because every pitcher takes in information differently. 
He said, so I have to go over what they do and try to make them better within the framework of what they do. And that was a secret with Ray Miller. He took every one of these pitchers. They were all vastly different. I couldn't throw like Flanagan. I couldn't throw like Palmer. Dennis Martinez couldn't throw like any of us. He had maybe the best arm on the staff. But Ray made every pitcher better within the framework of what they had. He refined what they had, tried not to change him too much, and uh, it, it worked because he put out a lot of good pitchers in his time. Boy, it's just such a, a, a simple mindset that matters so much in coaching, and it seems like Ethan Katz does have that, right? Like arm yourself with all the tricks of the trade that you can possibly get, all the knowledge that's out there, and then use whichever ones fit for your specific guys. It's not, it's not one size uh, fits all. And I, we know Katz and Cease have done good work together. seems like Katz and Rodon have done work together, haven't they? And, and Giolito, I mean, he's known Lucas longer than probably anybody has as far as pitching-wise. Yep. But, you know, the key is this, Matt, because everybody has such diverse personalities. You sit and talk with these guys, and you're going to get a feeling to when am I getting through? Look, when you talk to somebody, look in their eyes. You can almost tell when they start to drift. When they start to drift, they're not getting what you're saying, and the rest of what you say is useless. See if they're taking in what you're saying or if those words are bouncing off their forehead. And that's why a pitching coach has to be part psychologist, part father confessor, and part mechanic. The best pitching coaches are one part each of one of those, a third of each. And sometimes you use one more a little bit than the other on a certain guy. But knowing what turns the light on for each and every guy, in any coach, in, in, in any business, knowing what turns the light on and the people that you are charged with making better will make you better at what you're doing as a leader. Last thing for you, Stoney, and I really appreciate it. Um, Want to jog your memory. Who's the best guy you ever saw at both pitching and hitting? Because right now, Shohei Otani is giving us stuff that we've never seen. Um, I, I mean, unless you were alive for Babe Ruth. I know you weren't. Yeah. And I, I wasn't either. No, but, like, I, Shohei I Otani right now. Yeah, yeah. Sho, Shohei Otani right now, he has allowed two extra base hits. No one has thrown more innings than him or, or thrown as many innings as him and only allowed two extra base hits. Meanwhile, he also leads the American League in extra base hits as a hitter. With 21, I mean, it, it's ridiculous what we're seeing. It, it, anybody come to mind for you as the best hitter and pitcher both that you saw? Well, there's been some very good hitters and pitchers, but <clears throat> they chose one or the other. Uh, yeah. I, I don't think a lot of people know that Zach Greinke was a state-of-the-art shortstop and probably could have started a shortstop in the major leagues, but he chose to concentrate on pitching. We've had some others that have been terrific. Don Drysdale was a wonderful hitter. I don't know what position he could have played. But we've never seen anything like Shohei Otani. And you're right. I, I think Babe Ruth was the best at both. You're talking about a guy who won 90-plus games as a pitcher, had the all-time record in the World Series for consecutive scoreless innings, and then hit more home runs than six or seven teams in the league. Individually, he hit more home runs. So, no, we've never seen anything like Babe Ruth. And, of course, I only saw the later stages of his career. I mean, terrific guy. But, uh, anyway, no, we, we didn't see him. Otani is a magnificent athlete. What he's doing is extraordinary. In my heart of hearts, I don't think his arm holds up. I think you will see, whether it's this year or next year, you will see that um, his arm's going to give way. And the only reason why is I don't like him throwing a splitter that hard consistently. Now, bear in mind, 
that splitter is impossible to hit. I'm not sure if there, maybe there's been one hit or no hits on his splitter this year. <clears throat> it's probably one of the most difficult pitches to hit in the major leagues, and it's a wonderful pitch. However, it takes the toll on his elbow because he throws it that hard. Bruce Suter could get away with it consistently. He went to the Hall of Fame because of that pitch. But Suter threw it in the high 80s, maybe 90. Otani throws it in the high 90s. I mean, this thing just disappears. He is an extraordinary athlete. He can run like the wind. He's 6'4". He's got tremendous power. Now, we haven't seen the likes of him. And and I I think it really shows you how far we've come as a species when you can put out a guy like Otani, that size, that speed, that arm strength, that power, and say, hey, this is what baseball looks in 2021. Maybe there'll be a few more of those guys, but right now he's he's the best that personally I've ever seen at at a two-way player. Nobody's really even close. Stoney, you're the best. Enjoy your day. Enjoy Benetti. uh, Enjoy the ball game. We'll talk to you soon. Talk to you down the road, Matt. Take care. Okay, thank you. That's Steve Stone right here on Hit and Run. Yeah, I mean, Otani, think about um, that guy in high school, maybe for your team or the team you're played against, and you're like, he's the best hitter and the best pitcher. That guy's been playing shortstop for six innings. Now he's going to throw the last couple innings of this ball game. Otani the other day struck out 10 guys through seven innings and then finished the game in right field. Who does that? The answer is nobody. Nobody does that. Jason Stark wrote a great piece in The Athletic, just all the wild, weird, and wacky stuff, as he always does. But the, the 10 strikeouts and then playing right field, who does that? Harvey Haddix did it for the Cardinals in 1952, but only because Stan Musial came in and pitched for the only time in his career. It was a gimmick towards the end of the year as Musial was battling somebody for the batting title, so Eddie Stenke wanted them to face each other. So that, that's the time that it happened. That's it. It's crazy. That, that was just the stunt. There were a couple other occasions that Stark found where a player started a game on the mound and finished it at any position. But really, the only ones that are remote comps were Babe Ruth in 1921 and Catfish Hunter because he threw eight and two-thirds and then his manager wanted him to stay in just in case the reliever that he brought in couldn't get the final guy. Those are anomalies, Shohei Otani, like nothing we've ever seen. Just so, so fun. 312-644-6767 is the phone number. It's Matt Spiegel here with you on Hit and Run. We're here until 1130 for Cubs pregame. A great story and a great cause at the top of the hour I want to share with you. Looking forward to that. I mentioned we have some sound on a Cubs trade piece, potentially, that I want to dissect with you. Uh, And also, the phone lines are wide open for you. 312-644-6767. Keep it right here on Hit and Run. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. 
Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. On the score. Bears fans, it may be the offseason, but the buzz surrounding new quarterback Justin Fields is building. Justin, welcome to Chicago. I'm just excited to you know, start this journey. It's going to be fun for sure. Chris Collinsworth. This is like a dream come true for the city of Chicago. How will the Bears manage his development? Will he start day one? Olin Kruitz. I start him immediately. I wouldn't waste any time. Terry Bradshaw. You think he's ready to play? Stick him out there. Keep it on the score as we follow the Bears' preparation for the upcoming season on Sports Radio 670 The Score. Chicago's home for Bears fans and Odyssey Station. This is Sports Radio 670 The Score and 670thescore.com. Chicago Sports Station. Interesting times. Interesting times in Major League Baseball. Albert Pujols to the Dodgers. It's Matt Spiegler with you on Hit and Run. Pujols for a bench roll. Which he said he didn't want with the Angels, right? Interesting. I think any at-bat that Albert Pujols takes in a big moment will be smiled upon by San Diego Padres fans, San Francisco Giants fans. It's, um, it's ring-chasing of the highest order, I, I, I guess. It feels a lot like when Gary Payton and Carl Malone were on the Lakers. Like, all right, little more. Let's try a little more. Where should we go? Yeah, let's go there. Pujols with the Dodgers. I will say it's kind of amazing. There are four former MVPs with the Dodgers and three former Cy Young winners. Clayton Kershaw's on both of those lists. Then Trevor Bauer and David Price, Mookie Betts, Clay Bellinger, and Albert Pujols now. And it uh, brings to mind some of the very short stints in recent memory for really good players who did not want to hang it up at the very end. And I'm not talking about Frank Thomas on Oakland because he was good. Or even Frank Thomas on Toronto. I think Frank Thomas had 20-some homers as a Blue Jay the one year. I know that's the very, very end. But Frank Thomas in Oakland was, was legit. But I, what I'm talking about is um, Baltimore Orioles outfielder Vladimir Guerrero. That's what I'm talking about. I'm talking about... San Francisco Giants pitcher Randy Johnson, you know? Whereas I was growing up, I remember seeing Steve Carlton as a reliever, like a, like a, a set-up lefty reliever for the Cleveland Indians. I'm like, what are, you, what, are, what are you doing exactly? Didn't want to stop. I get it. You know, someday it's going to be me. It's going to be me hosting, uh, you know, on a, on a weekend morning on a 5,000-watt blowtorch in a tiny little market somewhere in the Midwest, refusing to give up. And you guys will be like, yeah, who's Vladimir Guerrero on the Orioles now, Spiegel? Who's John Smoltz as a Cardinal now? Huh? 
And, you know, you're too young out there for Willie Mays with the 1973 New York Mets. You're too young for that. But you might not be too young for Mike Piazza of the Oakland A's. You remember Mike Piazza of the Oakland A's? Well, now it's Albert Pujols with the Dodgers. All right, I mentioned this a couple times. I want to play it. My mentions on Twitter were an absolute disaster this week uh, because uh, the score tagged me and Danny Parkins in a tweet um, paraphrasing something that John Paul Morosi had said. I like John Morosi from Fox Sports, from, if he's still there, uh, from MLB Network. Um, and John Morosi, a good, good baseball guy, good, good strong uh, baseball newsy guy, thoughtful guy, and usually careful not to say anything super stupid. And he's not stupid also. So, um, but the score paraphrased the tweet, and oh my God, it got ratioed, which is something that the kids say about the Twitters when it's more comments than it is likes. That's never a good sign for a tweet because it means that people think you're an idiot and respond to you and they don't even just like what you said. Um, but here's also the thing about it is that I was inundated with people who not only didn't read the tweet and appropriate the, um, the thought to Morosi instead of to me and to Parkins, but certainly I don't believe actually listened to the context of the conversation that was being paraphrased, just read the paraphrase. So let's listen and see if John Morosi is as big of an idiot as everyone thought he was on Twitter this week. And if I am an idiot merely just by being there and being part of the conversation. This was John Paul Morosi with... With me and Danny Parkins the other day. Sorry about that, Sean. Uh, John Paul, uh, 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 talking about whether the Cubs should trade Chris Bryant, what the trade market is actually like this year in MLB. Fascinating to hear you say, John Morosi, that the Twins um, should be getting ready to think about sellers, uh, being sellers. We obviously talk about it with the Cubs, and they're far from that kind of clarity. But, uh, you know, uh, uh, when are teams going to decide what they are? Like, is this year similar to what it's been in the past? Is the trade market going to be similar to what it's been in the past? Trying to get a feel for, for the time frame for clarity and the possibility of movement on that front. Well, Matt, that is an excellent question because I think that this year is different in some ways because of attendance obviously being different and therefore revenues being different and, and certain teams with windows that are closing, like possibly the Cubs, like the Twins, I would say. And as a result, I think that you may see some earlier calls on, on certain players. I, just, I wonder if the Cubs want to take this a little deeper into June at least before they make a decision but typically June, uh, the early part of June is when the, the buyers and sellers start to, to sort of declare themselves a little bit. I, and, and I think we could actually see, especially for the rental players, if I'm the Cubs, if I'm Jed Hoyer, I, I would say this. Listen, we'll, we'll make the trade a little earlier, maybe a month earlier. I think back to CC Sabathia when the Brewers traded for him back in 08. They got an extra month because that deal happened in early July. And, and those types of decisions, when, when you're trying to trade a rental player, four months of Chris Bryant, I'm not saying they're going to trade him on June 1, but even three months of Bryant are fundamentally different than two months. Uh, it really is. And so if Bryant's the guy you're going to move, if it's Baez, if it's Rizzo, for me, Bryant, one of the, one of the best things the Cubs have done with him in terms of uh, his overall value, and certainly he has brought himself back to being an elite hitter, but it's his defensive flexibility. It's not just, hey, do I need a third baseman? It's, it's, hey, can I have a third baseman or part-time corner guy or whatever it is, ends up being. His defensive versatility for Bryant is a tremendous part of his value. And the Cubs, I think, have done a very good job of playing him at different spots, 
and I think that's only going to help them maximize the value. But the thing that's going to help them the most is if they trade them on July 1 instead of July 31. All right. So, yeah, I, I think we can now agree that that was not the best paraphrasing job by 670 the score on the Twitters this week. I think that is sensible conversation from John Paul Morosi. If you're going to trade him, then think about trading him early. That's what he's talking about, being aggressive and getting out there on the market. I hope they don't trade him. I wish the Cubs were more competitive right now, but they're not so uncompetitive, so non-competitive that you... You know, it, 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 it's so, they're not so non-competitive that you have the clarity to go ahead and trade people away. You can't. You can't. Not in that division. The Cardinals are good. Jack Flaherty has won every game he's started. It's pretty amazing. Um, some of their offensive players have come on. They've figured things out at the top of their order, which has made things work out for them. Tommy Edmond among those helping the Cardinals find their offensive identity. But that division is there and will remain there. And the way this Cubs offense has come along and is playing and battling, it's too early for any sort of clarity. And I think June 1st is also going to be too early for any sort of clarity. But of course you have to think about all this stuff. I really don't want them to trade Chris Bryant. I'd rather see them play it all the way out and try this year and then also try to re-sign him as well. And I think they will try to resign him no matter what. I think it is going to be difficult for them to trade him and then resign him because that would be one final smack in the behind as he approaches free agency that I, I, I don't imagine would go over well. 670, the score is where you are. Matt Spiegel is who you're with. Your texts are what I read at 312-644-6767. The text zone is brought to you by Rosen Hyundai of Algonquin. Save time, shop online at rosenhyundai.com. Also, we take your phone calls when you dial that number, and that is the number that Tom on the northwest side has called and is now on hit and run on a Sunday morning. Good morning, Tom. Good morning, Matt. Always a, a pleasure to listen to the encyclopedia. Uh, <laughs> Uh, and that is a compliment, believe me. Uh, I just wanted to ask you, of all the great uh, minds of, of pitching, uh, what I would call pitching rabbis, I think of Steve Stone as number one. But what do you think of Larry Rothschild, Larry Sherry, and our, our present uh, Ethan Katz? Do you think they really are, have the mind of the pitchers when they're, when they're dealing with them? Um, I'm noticing a uh, a theme there. Are, are we specifically pitching rabbis you're looking for here? Um, I, I don't know of their knowledge of the books of Moses. I don't know of uh, the level of practitioner uh, in terms of Judaism that Ethan Katz is. He seems good. Um, I'll tell you, look, it, I'll go down the road with you. I'll go down with the road with you on a Sunday morning. The best... Jewish pitcher right now is Max Fried. He's got a chance to be one of the greatest of all time. Kenny Holtzman, you mentioned Steve Stone. Koufax is the king, of course, as we know. But, uh, yeah, Max Fried, awfully good. And who was Max Fried's pitching coach in high school? Huh? It's Ethan Katz, everybody. See? 
See how it all comes together? Look at that. In this segment alone, maybe I didn't do it this segment. Did I mention Giolito? We certainly did last segment. Can you imagine three guys on a high school team who've all been mentioned just by happenstance on a baseball show on a Sunday morning years later in the number three market in uh, America talking about MLB, Max Freed, Jack Flaherty, Lucas Giolito, and their pitching coach, Ethan Katz, are all in the bigs doing work. That's amazing. I remember being a kid and looking around at my friends saying, you know, I wonder if one day we'll all be famous. The answer is no. Um, thanks for asking. But if you were on that high school team at Harvard Westlake High and you looked around and said, I wonder if we're all going to make the bigs together. The answer is, uh, yeah, a lot of you. A lot of you are, as a matter of fact. Great story for you at the top of the hour that I'm looking forward to getting to uh, very much. And more a conversation, more of your calls and more of your texts on Hit and Run all morning long. Coming up next right here on 670 The Score. Cubs fans, you can now take the Cubs with you and stream the games live from anywhere through the Odyssey app. It's got a chance. Cubs win. Download the Odyssey app now to stream the Cubs live to your mobile device or smart speaker. Can you believe it? Wow. This is Sports Radio 670 The Score and 670thescore.com, Chicago Sports Station. Oh, that pitch hangs, and Castellanos kills it. Club to left field and gone. His team-leading 10th home run, Castellanos ties the game with a two-run homer. Yeah, all right, be careful. You're on live TV here now. What led up to the fist bump? So uh, I told Nick when he got up there that he should imagine that uh, Rob Manfred's face was on the baseball. And the next pitch, he lit it up over the fence, baby. (laughs) Oh, man. Nicholas Castellanos with a home run last night. He's very good. His OPS right now is above one for the Cincinnati Reds. Castellanos is 10 homers, 25 ribs. He's slugging 637. It's a really good hitter, Nick Castellanos, and I wish the Cubs had found a way to sign him after 2019 when he was brilliant for them in his 51 games. But that is last night. He homers, and he had a fist bump with a fan, and Cincinnati's post-game TV show said, hey, let's ask why the fan got a fist bump from Castellanos, and there's your answer. He said to Nick, just imagine that's Rob Manfred's face on the baseball And Castellanos spanked it. And the best part of it is the studio guy for the Reds realizing that he now has to uh, navigate talking about that without bad-mouthing Rob Manfred, who theoretically could get anybody fired who works for a team in an RSN. So he just kind of, well, we're going to remember that one. How about it? Just kind of soft-pedaling a little bit. And then maybe that's not the best part. Maybe the best part is Castellanos's smile, his sheepish grin, as he doesn't have to say a thing. He didn't say a thing against the commish. He just did not deny fist bumping a guy who says he said a thing against the commish. That uh, Rob Manfred's face was on the baseball, and the next pitch, he lit it up over the fence, baby. Yes, he did. Yes, he did. The baby is my favorite part. <laughs> baby, yeah, there's a lot of good parts. There's a lot of good parts in there. Oh, I told uh, the, him, and he did it, and he hit that ball so far, baby. Uh-huh, uh-huh. 
Um, some decent pitching matchups around baseball. Not really, not a lot of great ones. Shane Bieber will go later today for Cleveland, and that's when you know um, that uh, they're going to get a well-pitched game because that's pretty much all he does. Dylan Cease against Brady Singer later on around 1 o'clock for the White Sox and the Royals. For the Cubs coming up right here on the score at 12:10 Central, Kyle Hendricks against Matthew Boyd for the, Dodge, for the Tigers. Uh, Matthew Boyd's been real good. For the Tigers, he missed a little time with some left knee tendonitis, but came back and threw six scoreless. Um, He has an ERA under two over his first seven starts for the Detroit Tigers. Nate Eovaldi and the Red Sox will go against Jose Quintana of the Angels. Quick, imagine what you think Jose Quintana's ERA is for Joe Madden's Angels. It's nine. Nine point zero zero is the ERA for Jose Quintana. That is not good. Not good. Meanwhile, the first place San Francisco Giants in the National League West have Alex Wood going against Mitch Keller and the Pirates. Alex Wood has been really, really good. 4-0 with a 1.80 ERA, 29 strikeouts on the year for Alex Wood. A really cool story. An excellent idea, a good mission, a worthwhile cause. And I will be donating, and I wonder if you will be inclined to do so as well when you hear about the baseball-minded mission of our next guest. We'll talk to him next on Hit and Run right here on 670 The Score. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply.